morning all. I'm glad this morning to be sharing God's word. I want to start this morning by a small exercise. I want you to assume that the person seated next to you, you've never ever met them before. It's a hard one, but just think about that. Now, I want you to have a conversation just for a minute or so with that person. Think about what you're going to tell them just for that first meeting ever. So, go. Right, we can end there now. <laughs> now I'm sure, I'm sure lots of things. Settle down, settle down. <laughs> I'm sure lots of things came in that conversation. Probably some of you asked them their name. Probably some of you had a prophetic message for them just on that first instant. Probably some of you didn't know what to say and just sat there and wondered and smiled. So t- today I want to look at a, a story rather of an encounter of a man called Nathaniel with Jesus. Now this is a text that Andrew spoke about last week, but I'm using the same text I wasn't here last week, so I have no clue what Andrew spoke about. But I want to look at it in a different angle, and that is concentrating on who is Jesus and how Jesus views us. So I'm going to read from First John, starting from verse 43 to 50. The Bible says, The next day Jesus decided to leave Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Now, this is your first encounter. Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. He added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Father, give us wisdom to understand your word this morning. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to speak to us. Father, I pray, may your Holy Spirit, Lord, flow in each one of us to give us openness to what you want to speak to us for the glory of your Son. Amen.
Now, just reading those words, probably you've heard them several times. Most recently, when if you are here on Sunday, you heard Andrew speaking from the same text. And your first impression might be, I've heard all about that. I don't need to hear that again. But I want to encourage you this morning, even though you've heard that maybe a thousand times, I want you to listen to what the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you afresh in your heart this morning. Repetition is a very good thing, especially in the Word of God. That is why the Bible repeats itself over and over again. And just before these words, I, I'm sure Andrew read about them previously, there were two disciples of John. And John speaking, he pointed at Jesus saying, Behold the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. And his disciples, the two of his disciples, followed Jesus. Why? Because they had heard him. They had heard John in this habit of speaking about Jesus. So when this reputation comes, God wants to do something in you that can change your life. So just receive it. So, Jesus here is having an encounter with this young man called Nathaniel. And we don't know this, or sometimes we do know, but God has an encounter with us way, way before even we were formed in this world. He speaks to Jeremiah and tells him, you know, I saw you and I formed you before you were formed into your mother's womb, and I called you to be a prophet. Our Heavenly Father knows us. He knows where we come from. He knows where we are going. And he has this great love for us that cannot be quenched or manipulated by anything in this world. And that is why the psalm, the psalmist in Psalm 139, Kyla, these are on the slides, said, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from far. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. My simple message to you this morning is that our Heavenly Father knows us. He knows us by name. And not just by name, but he knows the whole of us, every little bit about you, God knows. And the thoughts that God has for you, the, the, irrespective of who you are and what you do, are good thoughts. Are, God's, are thoughts to prosper you and bring you to a future and I hope. And that is why the psalmist says that you know me, God. There is no secret that I can keep from you. You know my every thought. You know everything. Even before I speak a word, you know what I am going to say. So, these disciples, Jesus is now on a journey to pick the disciples that he's going to walk with. And the first time, he calls Andrew with another disciple, which the Bible doesn't say. Now Andrew reaches out to his brother, Simon, and brings Simon to Jesus. 
Now Jesus seeing Simon, immediately he has good thoughts about Simon. He tells them, Simon, son of Jonah, I'm going to change your name to Cephas, which means Peter. Now he's already breathing in something new into Simon's life. When Simon is a fisherman, he's not a religious person. He is not learned. But Jesus is already seeing Peter way, way before Peter can see himself. Now Peter, that ended up being reflected in his life, later in his life, in Matthew, if you read Matthew 16, Jesus asked his disciples, after spending time with them, he asked them, who do people say I am? And they gave lots of interpretation. And Peter said, you are Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus told Peter, blessed are you Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but our heavenly father in heaven. And I'm telling you, Simon, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. So Peter started to see actually what God perceives of him than who he is. Because he was looking at him as just another disciple. But Jesus looked at him and told him, Peter, you're going to be something greater than who you are. And sometimes God comes in our lives and he changes something that we are into something different, something good, something better. Sometimes we don't see and realize immediately what change he has done. But later as we go in life, we realize that there is a greater change that he has done. So after meeting Andrew and Peter and the other disciples, Jesus goes all the way to Galilee and meets this young man called Philip. And he tells Philip, follow me. Now the Bible says, the text we read, that Philip goes and meets Nathaniel and tells Nathaniel, we have found him. Now this is funny because Jesus meets Philip and tells him, follow me. Now Philip meets Nathaniel and tells Nathaniel, we have found him. And that is how we are sometimes. We tell people, oh, I found God way back when I was in high school. We understand what you are saying, but the reality is you did not find God. God found you. Where you are, you wouldn't be there if God had not ordained for you to be there. One day, jokingly, my friend, uh, one of my friends told me, Oh, you are a foreigner in this land, <laughs> in this country. And I laughed. And immediately I laughed and I replied to him, aren't we all foreigners in this land? <laughs> and that is how we, we, we are all strangers, but God knows each one of us. He calls each one of us by name and he reaches out to each one of us. So this Nathaniel, who I believe was a student of the, the, of the word, resting at a fig tree. A fig tree is a great symbol of the nation Israel. And at that time, students of the law would go sit at a fig tree, and at a fig tree, they would study the word of God, or they would meditate. And this young man, Nathaniel, is seated 
is seated resting, meditating upon the word of God. What he was meditating about, Jesus is going to pick his mind in a couple of minutes. But then Philip comes and tells him, we have found him, Jesus of Nazareth, whom the prophets have written about. And this Nathaniel, being a student of the word, says that can't be. Can anything come out of Nazareth? Now, there is two schools of thought about this. One is that Nathaniel, because he was from Cana, and Nazareth was a neighboring uh, kind of town from Cana, he looked at Cana with, without respect. He looked at uh, Nazareth without respect because it was a small town. It was insignificant. So he might have looked at, the, at, 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 at uh, Nazareth and thought, there is nothing good that can come out of Nazareth. So that is a, one school of thought. Another school of thought is that actually Nathaniel was a student of the word. Because Philip tells him, this is who the prophets have talked about. This is who the, the, the Moses spoke about. We have found him. But Nathaniel tells Philip, how can it be you are saying that you have found this Jesus of Nazareth, but he's from Nazareth. That is not in line with the scripture. But Philip doesn't go on arguing and trying to convince Nathaniel. He just does a simple thing by saying, uh, telling Nathaniel, I don't understand that. I don't have the knowledge and the skills to debate with you, but you come and see. Come and see this Jesus. And you come and judge for yourself what he is all about. And I just felt like that is an approach that all of us can take when we go out there. Because sometimes we meet people who are so clever intellectually, so theologically knowledgeable, that they will pick some things in the Bible and they will try to draw our mind elsewhere and convince us to things that we don't understand. And you can spend hour after hour debating with that person, but because their knowledge of the theology is so higher than yours, they end up misleading you. But you can do a simple thing and tell them, just come. Come on Sunday to church with me. Come and sit at the back and just hear the praises rise. Just hear God revealing words of knowledge to people and people just hearing from God. Come and hear the testimonies of healing that God is just doing in our midst. Come to the carol service and just come and understand the true meaning of Christmas. And why is it that we sing to this Jesus who is a babe of Bethlehem? Just come and see. And good for Nathaniel, he came. And Jesus seeing Nathaniel coming, he says, an Israelite indeed, with no deceit. If you read the older version, we'll say, an Israelite indeed, without Gale. Now, who was Gale? Who is this man that Jesus is talking about who was deceitful? We find him in Genesis chapter 27. His name was Jacob. He was born hanging on dearly to his brother's knee. And that is why he was called Jacob. The name meaning a hill snatcher or a hill clinger. And even as a young man, he was manipulative. 
he found his brother Esau who was so hungry. And he told him, can you give me some soup? And Jacob manipulated him and told him, if you want me to give me the soup, then say that or give me your eldership. Let me be the eldest, you be the youngest. And Esau innocently handed his birthright to Jacob. A few years later, Jacob will scheme with his mom to take the blessings of his brother. And he went and dressed in skin of a, of a lamb and prepared his father food. And his father blessed him in the place of his brother Esau. Now he was manipulative and Esau being angry, he wants to kill him. He runs off and goes away. His mother tells him, go to your uncle Laban. And as he's running away, he's in the wilderness. He's at this barren place where there is nothing. Where there is emptiness, a desert, an isolated place. And he is sleeping at night, putting his head on a rock. You know what they say? A soft pillow is a sign of good conscience. So Jacob used a rock. Because his conscience was so tinted. He had done something evil to his brother. And he was running away. But something amazing happens there where he is lying sleeping. He is sleeping and he sees a ladder. On a ladder it's full of angels going up and coming down. And at the top of the ladder, Jesus is standing there. And I just want you to bear in mind that Jacob is a sinful man at this time. He has done something that is so evil. He is somewhere in his heart that is feeling, I am so isolated. I have done what is right. I don't deserve anything. I am useless. But listen to, words, to the words that Jesus speaks to him. Jesus speaks to him and tells him, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Wow. The man is full of deceit in his heart. He's full of self-blame and thinking that, Nobody will ever want to be close to me. But God comes and speaks to him. And what he speaks to him is not condemnation, but it is love. He comes with a promise and tells him, my presence is with you right now. I am with you. Even though you are in this desolate place, even if, though you are at a place whereby your heart feels so lonely, I am here with you. He promises him his protection. He tells him, I am going to protect you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And then he gives him a promise and says that, I will not go until I will do what I have promised to you. That is the God that we serve. He does not look upon ourselves, but he does to us what we don't deserve, what we haven't earned. He is such a loving God. We sang about him this morning. You are a good, good father. 
that is who you are. And it, it, it kind of surprises me that you know, God will think of Jacob in this way. But that is exactly how he thinks of each one of us. So, Jacob wakes up at this place. And he says, wow. God is here. And I didn't know about it. God was here. And God is here. Even though my personal circumstances doesn't allow me to have anything to do with God. But God has not forsaken me. He is here. And this reminds me the words that are going on in Psalm 139 again. Where it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depth, you are there. If I rise on the wings of a dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is light to you. And that is the God that we serve. His presence is always with us. It doesn't matter what you are feeling. But this God wants to make his residence in you. He looks at you as pleasing to him. So you might be at a place where you are wondering, where is God? My circumstances are not right. My actions are not right. My life is not right. God is so distant from me. I want to tell you, you can be distant from God, but God is never distant from you. Like the words that Andrew read this morning, what can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? There is nothing that can ever separate us from that love. And as Adrian reiterated, saying that, you know, he first of all says that there is no condemnation. Why? Why are we not separated from this love that is in Christ Jesus? Because we are not condemned. Why? Christ bore it all. On the cross, he nailed everything. And we are free because of that which he has done. But there is a part that you need to play in this. There is something that you need to realize. One thing that Jacob realized when he woke up saying that God is here and I didn't know it. That morning he received by faith. He said that God is here. His presence is with me. I'm going to go with this. I'm going to run with this. You will never realize the presence of God unless you receive it by faith. You have to realize and say, by faith, I'm receiving that. Even though I'm in a dark place, but God, you are there. Even though enemy surrounds me, but God, I want to receive in faith that you are there. And it is only after you receive by faith that your life will reflect the presence of God that is around you. Unless you receive it by faith, angels will sing where you are. And you won't even notice. Because you have blocked your heart from the presence of God. But Jacob doesn't change really. His character as Jacob continues. He goes and lives with his uncle Laban. And for 20 years he's working with Laban. And he continues with his cunning and manipulative ways. But God's promise 
never faded. Regardless of that 20 years, how he lived his life, God's promise still stood. He manipulated his uncle in so many ways by becoming very rich through manipulative ways, through deceit, through deceiving. And his uncle got annoyed with him and changed his terms of service 10 times in those 20 years. But something funny, every time his uncle would change his terms of service, Jacob would find another way to manipulate those terms to his favor. And something funny, God blessed him in his manipulation. Why? Because it is the love of God. It is the blessing of God. Regardless what what he has decreed in your life, he will do it. And he's not doing this to encourage you on to say, you continue in your sin, you continue in your silly ways. But for you to realize that this is actually silly. Because God loves me and I need him more than anything that I have. So there came a time when God spoke to Jacob and told him, you have to go back to the land that your father had. And Jacob realizes, I have to go back. He sends his messengers to his brother Esau. Now the messengers go and come back with a word that, yes, we have reached your brother, but your brother is saying he's coming to meet you, and with him are 400 men. And suddenly it dawns on Jacob that my ways have caught up with me. There is no way I'm going to fight an army of 400 men. Yes, God has blessed me. Yes, I have lots of wealth. But this is useless because my brother is going to come and he's going to sweep in my company and he's going to kill and destroy. And this is a time that he breaks down and goes to his knees and he makes a prayer. And he says, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, You who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau. For I am afraid he will come and attack me and also mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendant like the sons of the sea, which cannot be counted. Now, there is one particular thing that is so good about Jacob's prayer. In his prayer, he's desperate for God to come and rescue him. But in his prayer, he reminds God of his promise. He tells God, you promised that you're going to be with me. You promised me that you're going to stand with me. So do what you have promised. It is not about me. I am broken before you, but I'm praying that whatever it is that you have decreed in my life, you do that. It is a good prayer for us to pray. And sure enough, in that night, God visited him. And there was a wrestle between God and Jacob. The wrestle that lasted in the night and in the morning, God touched his hip. And dislocated it. And Jacob said, you have to bless me. I won't let you go until you bless me. And the Lord asked him, what is your name? Now the Lord knew his name. 
But Jacob had to say, no more Jacob. I am done being someone else. I am done with this kind of manipulative kind of character. Because the same question his dad asked him, who are you earlier in life? And he said, I am Esau. And God wanted to find out, are you still going to be willing to be that manipulative, to be willing to be pretending to be other people, to be willing to have this character of being and doing things on your own, or you want to surrender it to me? And that day God said, you are no longer going to be Jacob, but you are going to be Israel, which means governed by God. And that is the plan that God had in store for Jacob. It is the plan that he had worked in his life throughout his life. But Jacob had not realized it until this moment that he realized and said, I'm giving up my ways. I'm looking up to you, Jesus. So I want to tell you this morning, God has a plan for you. You might be wondering, where is my life going? Why is there any confu- so much confusion? Why is there so much pain? But I want to tell you that even though there is pain, even though there is frustration, your name is Israel. Your name is not manipulative. Your name is not trying to work out your own cross. Your name is not trying to work out your own thing. Your name is governed by God, dependent on God, leaning on God, because he has a plan for his life. So Jesus meeting this young man, Nathaniel. And Nathaniel says, how did you know me? How did you know me, Jesus? And Jesus tells him, I saw you when you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. And later he will tell, you, tell him the picture that he was meditating about, about the angels descending and ascending on him. And this man is just surprised and in awe of God. He said, surely you are the son of God. Nathaniel realized something that day. Yes, Nathaniel was a very good young man, a fine young man, without deceit, without manipulation. But when Nathaniel met Jesus face to face, when Jesus spoke to Nathaniel that day, Nathaniel realized one thing. This is the grace of our Lord Jesus. That you would see me where I was. That you would see me and call me to yourself. And that is what God is doing in each one of us. You might not feel his presence, but he is there. So I want to ask you a simple question this morning. What is your name? What do you call yourself? There are names that we call ourselves and we put those names on ourselves and we live in those names. But the reality is those are not the names our heavenly father calls us. He calls us the opposite of those names that we brand on ourselves. So I want you to change your name this morning. I'm not talking about physically going to the register to change your name. But I'm talking about that name in your heart that you have branded yourself. Someone might have branded themselves, I am a sinner. No, you are not. You are a saint. Someone might have branded themselves, I am a servant, I am a slave. 
No, you are not. You are a son and a daughter and a child of God. Someone might have branded themselves, I am just a stranger. I don't feel part of the family. I don't feel part of the body. I want to tell you, you are not a a stranger, but a friend of God. Someone might be wondering this morning, I am guilty. I'm walking in this guilt and in shame. I want to tell you this morning, you are not guilty, but you are justified. Just as if you've never sinned. Someone might be saying, oh, I'm struggling so hard. I have to work so hard to please God. That is not your name. Your name is Grace. It is not works. I don't know. Maybe some of you would like to call out those names that you feel you are. To say, I am no longer this. But I am this. Because that is what will get you to that place where Christ wants you to be. Because when you realize that God does not condemn you. God loves you. Whatever it is that is happening in your life, it is not as a result of you. That is when you realize the love of the Father that we sing about this morning. He is a good Father. So I have a big list of who you are, who you are and who you are now with scriptures. I'm going to leave them at the table there. Have a look at it sometime and just declare those truths in yourself that I am no longer that, but I am this. Because if we grasp who we are in Christ, if we grasp what we are, even as we go out to speak to others, we will be speaking from that abundance of who we are. And also, we will be looking at others in the abundance of who Christ is and not of who they are. Because that tints our image And we don't operate in the realm where Christ wants us to operate. But if we look at ourselves and say, we are clean, we are pure. Why? Not because of us, but because of Christ. He has put a new name, a new label on us. Then we can also see the new label in others that he has put on them. And we can call them in and tell them, come, let us fellowship together. So as you speak to each other, Just speak that truth of who we are in Christ. And get those labels in. Get yourself drenched in those labels. And I'm sure as we do that, as we go out as scattered servants, we will go in the power of knowing that it is Christ in us and we can operate in that realm of abundance of his grace. Shall we pray?